I want to start by telling you a story. This story is one of the biggest Broadway hits of all times. It's also in the Bible. It's about a man with a beautiful coat. They call it on Broadway the technicolored coat. He was a dreamer. He had annoying dreams, in fact. He was dreaming that his siblings, his brothers and mother and father were bowing down to him. How many of you know that would be an annoying dream from your brother, especially your younger brother? And uh, they got so mad at him that they did betray him. Uh, one day they saw a group of tra slave traders coming, and so they stripped Joseph, and I'm speaking about Joseph from the Bible. They stripped him of his clothing. They threw him in the pit with the others to be sold as slaves. And then they took his beautiful coat, and they killed an animal, and they sprinkled the blood of the animal on the coat to get a cover. And so he was sold as a slave to Egypt. They, the brothers brought the coat home, you know the story, and said to the father, it looks like some wild animal got to young Joseph, and it brought a lifetime of mourning and sadness and depression to the house of, house of, of, of uh, Jacob. Then Joseph got on his way to Egypt, and again he was betrayed. He was falsely accused of sexual assault, rape, was put in jail, but God was with him. How many of you know that no matter how much trouble you may face, God does not leave you. God does not forsake you. God was with him. That, that's important. And he had a gift from God to interpret dreams. And eventually, to make a long story short, that got to the attention of Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt. And Joseph was removed out of the prison. And again, to make a long story short, over time, he was exalted to be Lord over all of Egypt, like a prime minister for life under Pharaoh in the nation of Egypt. Meanwhile, there was a famine. People were starving. And God gave Joseph the wisdom how to handle the famine. But the famine wasn't just in Egypt. It was in the land of Canaan. It was where his family was, the ones who had sold him. And that family had become so dysfunctional. Everybody was going in their own direction. But now they were hurting. They were starving. They didn't want to go to Egypt because they were scared. They heard that there was some provision, had no idea it was their young brother who was leading that provision. But eventually, their hunger drove them, just like hunger for God will drive Canadians to God. People don't know it's hunger for God, but they have a hunger for something to build my life on. And so they come there, and they come for several visits. They don't realize who Joseph is because Joseph, you know, has maybe changed his hairstyle to a more Egyptian hairstyle. He's wearing Egyptian-style clothes. He's wearing Egyptian makeup. Uh, and, of course, he's probably added a few pounds. He's uh, grown up. He was a young boy when he was sold as a slave. But on one of the visits... Joseph begins to weep. And they are afraid. Why is he weeping? Is he upset with us? What have we done wrong? But he says, I'm not the one who you think I am. I am your uh, brother, Joseph. Then they get more scared. They say, well, he's going he's to get back at us. We sold him as slaves. But he tells them, no, everything that has happened, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. 
and God has set me in this place because he wants to provide abundance. God wants a provision in the time of famine. And he says, hurry, go tell dad, tell Jacob. He must be getting old now. Go and tell him that I'm alive. Go and tell him that there's provision and bring him back because we have a special place here in Egypt called Goshen. Goshen was one place, a province that was not touched by the famine. And so Joseph, Joseph said, bring the whole family back and you can live in Goshen. And here's what the Bible says, Genesis 45, the brothers went out of Egypt and came to Canaan to Jacob, their father, and they told him, Joseph is still alive, and he's governor over all the land. And Jacob's heart stood still because he didn't believe them. You can see that after a lifetime of disappointment and sadness. He says, this is, this is too much. But when they told him all the words which Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob revived. And he said, it's enough. It's enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I'll go and see him. You know, there's a beautiful, very natural and relatable dimension to this story, to this narrative. You have here this dysfunctional family, this betrayal, this disappointment, this sense of hopelessness. And then this is a story of restoration. So I want to say to you as a prophetic word today, if you have given up, if you have lost hope with God, there is still hope. Still hope in God. Uh, but then there's also a deeply spiritual metaphor in this story. Jesus said that the stories of people in the books of Moses, he says, they speak of me. So there is a way in which Joseph is a picture of Jesus and a picture of God and a picture of us. And that's what I want to highlight to you. I want to say, first of all, Joseph was uniquely loved by his father. Remember, he gave him that special robe of the firstborn, of the oldest, robe of authority. Undoubtedly, Joseph was loved by his father, Jacob. That's a picture of Jesus. Remember when Jesus was baptized, there was a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You have this beautiful relationship between the Father and Lord Jesus Christ, the Son. And Jesus says, I, I, I only speak what I hear my Father say. I only do what I see my Father do. An amazing relationship. And we all know about But here comes something more amazing. Are you ready for something even more amazing? Ah, come on, are you ready for something even more amazing? As amazing as the love is between God the Father and God the Son... That love is not unique. It's not unique because it is exactly the same love that God has for you. He has that love for you. It says in 1 John chapter 4, it says that, you know, if you have fear, it means you haven't discovered God's love. If you have fear of the day of judgment, oh, what's going to happen to me when I die? You know, God's going to get me. If you have that fear, you have not received the full revelation of God's love. And then it says, here is why you don't need to be afraid. Because as Jesus is, 
so are we in this world. Oh, some have had problem with that verse. What do you mean? Uh, Jesus walked on the water. I haven't walked on the water. Look at the context. The context is not walking on the water or something else. The context is love. When it comes to the Father's love for Jesus, there is nothing unique. God the Father doesn't love Jesus one millimeter more than he loves you and your family and your situation. Oh, praise God. So see, we have a tough time with that. We say, I know that theologically. But, you know, I, I, I don't know because there's some things going on. And, and I don't know if I can accept that. Well, that's what makes the gospel so incredible. The fact is this, accept it, take it. It is Scripture. You have no reason to be afraid. Why? Because the same quality of love that the Father has for Jesus, you are in that love. You see, Jesus shows us who God is, but he also shows us who we are to God, the beloved of God. Joseph was rejected. Rejected. You know, his coat was bloodied. He was uh, put into a pit of betrayal. He, He was rejected in Potiphar's house, falsely accused. That's a picture of Jesus. It says he came to his own. And his own did not receive him. In fact, of the religious leaders among his own, because, you know, Jesus didn't have a lot of problem with prostitutes and robbers and and thieves. He had problem with the religious leaders. They were constantly harassing him. But then he says, but as many as received him, to them, everybody say, that's me. To them, he gave the power to become the children of God to those who believe on his name. Jesus was rejected. Joseph was rejected. You find a description of Jesus' rejection in Psalm 22. He said, I I feel in my emotions like I'm a worm and not a man. People sneer at me. Whenever they see me, they look sideways sneering. They stick their tongue out at me. This is all directly quoting from Psalm 22, which is a description of Jesus' feeling. He says, I feel like I'm poured out. I feel like my strength has dried up. There is nothing left of me. I feel rejected. At that moment, Jesus even felt like he was rejected by his heavenly father. But if you keep reading Psalm 22, you'll find out, even though the psalm starts that way, it doesn't end that way. It ends with this, no, I was not rejected by my heavenly father. My heavenly father didn't turn his back on me on the cross. No, he was there. He heard my cry. He responded. He didn't hide his face from me. And then Psalm 22 says, and this is for the whole world. It's for the ends of the earth. It's for Every family, praise God. That's what the message is about. So it ends in triumph. Psalm 22, Jesus felt rejected in the end. He knew he he was accepted. And because he's accepted, we are accepted. You You see, rejection. Joseph experienced, Jesus experienced. The Bible is full of examples of people who experience rejection. In fact, no, no institution majors in rejection like religion does. You know, the stories in the Bible, for example, of that man who would tear his clothes off and cut himself. He was a reject from society, and he was sent to the country of the Gadarenes. Do you, who do you think sent him there? He didn't go there on his own. 
He was sent there by religion. He says, we, we don't want you. You're contagious. We don't want the bad spirit on you to get, out, get on us who are really holy people. He, he was sent away. He was sent away. Rejected. And Jesus said, well, I'll show you what God thinks about that. Of the Gadarenes, and he received that man and he became a preacher. It says that man who was a crazy maniac, he became a preacher. He went and preached in Decapolis. Deca means ten, polis means cities. So at least he had ten cities that he reached with the gospel. Come on now, give the Lord Jesus praise. It always makes me think about that man that we met quite a few years ago now over in East Africa. They called him the monkey man. He crawled on all four, sometimes naked, sometimes draped in a plastic sheet of some sort. And they, they thought he was crazy. But Jesus Christ set him free, gave him a new name, and he became a preacher of the gospel. So we have seen this. We have heard this. People have felt rejection. I'm thinking in our society. Even in these last couple of years. You know, there were people who've been paying their taxes all year. All their life they've been paying. And then they were diagnosed with cancer. And then found out the surgery's canceled because of the, the virus. You know, there's a lot of hard feelings. Others have felt isolated. It wasn't as drastic as what I just said, but they felt isolated. I want you to know that, that whatever the world tells you, even whatever the church tells you, because of God, because of Jesus Christ, in Him you are accepted. You are the beloved, accepted in the beloved. Oh, come on, give Jesus praise. Joseph was thrown into a pit of slavery, a prison. Jesus was thrown into a pit. It says wicked hands, not God. Wicked hands crucified Jesus Christ. And he went into the pit of Hades. He went into the kingdom of death. This is so clear. I'll give you four fast verses here. Acts chapter 3 says that Jesus was to go into Hades where the dead are, but his body would not be corrupted. 1 Peter 3.19 says that Jesus would preach to those whose spirits were kept in Hades in the kingdom of darkness. Ephesians 4 chapter 8 says he led captivity captive. Those who were held captive in Hades, he went down and he brought them out. And the fourth verse that I quote to you is Revelation 1 where he says, I have the keys of death and of hell. Death is defeated. Joseph came out of the pit victorious. Jesus came out of the pit of Hades victorious. Maybe you've been in a pit. People feel like they were thrown in a pit of despair. Maybe it was your divorce. Maybe it was a bankruptcy. Maybe there was something shameful. Maybe there was a failure. So many of the stories in Scripture describe somebody who was crying for mercy. God, have mercy on me. You don't cry for mercy unless you are in a pit of despair. Jesus is the source of your mercy. You know, Joseph was rumored to be dead for a lifetime. Jacob thought, he's dead. What can I do? I wish he wasn't. But he's dead. The family assumed he had died, probably. Uh, you know, they, they had no idea that he was alive. You know something? There's a rumor going around Toronto. It's been going around for, for, for decades now. And the rumor is that Jesus is dead 
and the church is nothing but a religious institution that we are dead to. We just believe in a fantasy. We believe in a fa fantasy phantom from somewhere in outer space. And there's nothing the devil would want more than for Toronto to have a dead Jesus. Because if people think that Jesus is dead, then the gospel is only a theory. It's only a myth. It's only an opinion. It's only an idea. If the devil succeeds in making Toronto think that Jesus is dead, then there are, there's no new life in Christ. There's no eternal life. There's no healing for your sick body. There's no deliverance. There's no freedom. But I'm glad to tell you the rumor was wrong. He who was rumored dead was alive. And Jesus Christ is alive. He's risen. Oh, thank God for it. He's alive. Joseph prepared abundance in a world of lack. The whole world was going into, the known world was going into a famine. There was lack everywhere. Things were not like they should be. But in the middle of that, God raised up Joseph to prepare abundance. What a picture of Jesus. The whole world is in lack. The whole world feels like something is missing. I need help. But God sent Jesus to prepare abundance in a world of lack. And, and you know, there was this place called Goshen. Kind of a funny name for a province. But that's what Joseph said. He said, if, you, if you're lacking, come on, family. If you're lacking, come to Goshen. And I tell you, God has a Goshen for you. Jesus has prepared a place of abundance for you. He said, I've come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. Let, let, oh, come on. Let me break it down. If you're going to clap, do a good one. I'll just let you clap there because, uh, you know, I, I, I guess you, I'm preaching to make you happy and I'm preaching so fast that you start clapping and I just keep going. But uh, come on, do a good one here now. I'll give you, get, get, get a good one here. I, I want to break down this abundance. First of all, there's a spiritual abundance. We live in spiritual abundance, assurance and certainty that we have peace with God, that we have right standing with God that our sins are forgiven. This spiritual abundance is so great that it says that if anybody does sin, it says don't sin. You'll hurt yourself. You'll hurt others. There's a price on the natural level to pay for sin. But he says if anyone sin, don't do it. But if anybody does, this is your spiritual abundance. Even then, you have a lawyer with the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. So even if you do sin, it's none of the devil's business. Don't even talk, oh, the devil is going to get you now. No, it's none of his business. Everybody say none of his business. He's got nothing to do with it. That's the kind of spiritual abundance we have. Every religion in the world, it's just like with a microscope on the people saying, oh, oh, you just, the slightest thing, God's going to get you. No, the slightest thing for you and I, my friend, even something bigger than that, we have a good God and he speaks on our behalf. He is our lawyer who speaks in the courts of the universe, speaks well of you. Praise God. Then we have abundant in life. We have wisdom. We have financial guidance. We have joy. That's why I like that song. Since Jesus came into my heart 
I like singing joyous songs, too much, too much sadness songs. I like joyous songs. The gospel is not sad news, it's glad news. It's good tidings, not bad tidings. We, we have joy. Uh, you, you, you see, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. David said, I have been young and I am old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. God has prepared abundance. You know that your church, everybody say my church. This is like a Goshen. This is like a good place. Here's a place you can come on Sundays and on other days, and no church is perfect. People say, oh, Pastor Nathan, have you heard that somebody gossiped? I can promise you he heard that before you did. Oh, nobody knows the, the faults and the warts and all better than Pastor Nathan. I may be second in line, but we, we know that. But I, with all the warts and all, you know what we can say? The spiritual family called Toronto Celebration Church, it's a beautiful Goshen. It's not perfect. It's not as good as heaven going to be, but it's pretty good. You can come here and hear a message that lifts you up, that strengthens you, that builds you, that makes you feel like I can take whatever comes my way because greater is he that is in me. Oh, thank God. I don't apologize for the church. Oh, there's this thing. Oh, there's so much hypocrisy in the church. Well, first of all, we welcome all hypocrites to church. This is the only hope for you to come to church if you're a hypocrite. So, so that's a good thing that we got hypocrites. Bring some more. Maybe you're one as well, so fill your car with them. That's all right. But having said all that, this is something beautiful. I'm strengthened. I'm strengthened being here. You are strengthened. God prepared abundance so that we can for at least take an hour every Sunday to shake our head from all the negativity and all the fear and all the worries that are bombarding us. And you come to a place where they sing, Jesus came into my heart. I have joy. About, oh, that, that's something. You feel like I can, I can live another day. And you know the real church, the real church is where Jesus shows up. We expect that Jesus, he is showing up today. He is showing up. He's a healer. He's a deliverer. He shows up. And then there is, of course, there is a place of abundance for eternity. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Our darkened minds have been enlightened. And we see our inclusion in God's love in Jesus Christ. I got more. Joseph became Lord of all of Egypt. You know, who would have thought? Jesus is Lord in three worlds. Let me read this to you. Philippians 2. God has also highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, those on the earth, and those under the earth, referring to Hades. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus is Lord in three worlds. Hallelujah. He's the Lord of lords, the King of kings. Gabriel said in the announcement on, uh, to, to, to Mary that this kingdom that's coming through this king, it has no end. Oh, sometimes we make God's kingdom so small, so tiny. It is not limited geographically. 
Maybe you have relatives over in Asia or in Africa or in Europe or in South America. God's kingdom is there. It has no limit in time. It shall stand forever because our God has loved us with an everlasting love. And with loving kindness, he has drawn us. Oh, I tell you, then what happens is this, this, this love and this story of Joseph, it moves the heart. You remember Jacob's reaction? He's been living under this weight. My son is dead. How could I let it happen? You know what any parent would feel. And I read it to you. The, the brothers discovered, well, Joseph is alive, but they're scared also because they know that they're guilty. They were there. They, it was their wicked hands that threw him in the pit. So they're scared. And uh, then they go home because what else are they going to do? They need more food. So they say to Jacob, Jacob, your son is alive. And he says, his heart stood still. It's like, no way. No way. I do not believe this. Don't play with my heart. I don't believe it. But they kept talking. Joseph said this, and Joseph said that. And then they said, and, and, and look at the carts. And there were camels and donkeys loaded with gifts from Joseph. And at that moment, Jacob said, it's enough. It's enough. i got to go and see him. You know, there's something about Jesus that moves the heart. It really is. That's the key to what we do. We preach Christ. Um, Buddhists, Hindus, Muslims, whatever group of people, animists. People say, oh, what is your secret sauce? I have no secret sauce in our message. What gives you the success? Jesus Christ moves the heart. Let, 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 me, let me give you the, the scripture verse that we love. You see it in the NFL and football games. You see it everywhere. I'm talking about John 3, 16. Let me read it to you here. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish. That word perish, by the way, is the same word in the Greek as the word lost. We could say that should not be lost, but have everlasting life. That's beautiful. That moves the heart. Next verse says, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Okay, so there we, we have one thing cleared up. God didn't send Jesus to condemn the world. God is not a condemner. Say it with me. God is not a condemner. So, so now we know that. You may feel condemned. There may be condemnation, and there is, but it's not God who sends it. Then the next verse says, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who doesn't believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So there is a condemnation, but we know it wasn't from God, but there is. So what is it? Next verse tells us what it is. This is the condemnation. Here it comes. This is the condemnation. That the light has come into the world, but people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Now look at Jacob. Let's talk about these four verses that are so famous. People love them. People are waving flags, John 3.16, but some have not even read what it is. I wonder, who's that? John 3.16. I just read it to you, but I read all in the context. Look at Jacob. Look at, look at Jacob. 
He, he has lived in darkness. He's lived in darkness, just like John 3, 18 says. He says, I think my, my son is dead. Life is terrible. To hell with everything. I'm bitter. I'm mad. I'm angry. I'm disappointed. Everything has gone wrong in my family. I'm mad about everything. That was the darkness. He could have stayed in that. He could have stayed. Then there would have been the condemnation for Jacob that he would never have known the truth. He would never have seen the light. He could have lived in that. But now the light has come. How did it come? It came through a testimony of the other sons. And it came when he saw the gifts, when he saw what, what, what J Joseph had provided. The light has come to you. You're here today. Maybe somebody told you, Jesus changed my life. There are people here in this room who have been healed by God. All kinds of wonderful stories. But you can say, no, away with all that. To hell with that. I don't want that. I reject that. I don't want to believe that. No, I'm going to just, just going to stay the way I am. I'm going to stay mad about the whole thing. My life has been a big ripoff. We could do that. We could stay in the darkness. Or we can do like Jacob saying, it's enough. It's enough. I, I know it seems too good to be true, but, uh, but I'm going to believe it. Something tells me in my head, don't believe this. Don't believe it. It's a charade. It's a story. It's a fake. But something in my heart tells me, that if I don't respond now, if I don't say this is enough, I am ready to come, then, then, then I, I'm losing out. I'm causing myself to perish, to be lost, to have to wander around just in, 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 in darkness, not knowing the way. You see, the word perish, lost, means people are immensely valuable. I have one more point. Joseph wore a robe of blessing and favor. It was, we believe it was the robe that was for the firstborn, even though he was not the firstborn. But he got that robe. Well, that speaks to us. Do you know that the Bible says what happened to you when you received Christ? You receive a robe of righteousness. Isn't that beautiful? You say, well, I feel kind of filthy. I feel like I have some bad things going on. Well, regardless of that, you are dressed in a robe of Christ's righteousness. It's a miracle. It's, 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 it, you know, you can see that Jacob said, my heart stood still. I couldn't believe it. When I say that you're dressed in a robe of righteousness, you might say, well, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see that. I, I frankly don't see that. That is the gospel. That is the incredibleness of the gospel that swept the world of religion 2,000 years ago, that you are dressed in Christ's righteousness. And then you have also a robe of praise and so many other things. Uh, but Jesus had a special robe. It was special uh, because we know it was a nice robe because when he died, they gambled for his robe. So it was a nice robe, probably a robe of authority. But here's what it says. I'm reading from Mark chapter 6. Maybe you're sick in your body. Maybe you're hurting today. Maybe you have arthritis. Maybe you have heart problems. Maybe there's something else. Maybe the doctors have given you a negative report. Maybe fear has gripped your heart. Let me read to you. Immediately the people recognized him, that's Jesus, and ran through that whole surrounding region. 
and they began to carry about on beds those who were sick to wherever they heard he was. Wherever he entered into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. Now the key word in this is not the hem of the garment. It's not the people. The key word is him, he, and his. Wherever he was, wherever he entered, it was his garment. They came to him. They recognized him. They ran to him, and he made them well. The focal point is Jesus Christ. It's him. That's why we preach Christ. You could say you've heard it in real estate. It's location, 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 location. Well, back 2,000 years ago, it was location, location, location. Oh, where is Jesus going now? Oh, oh, he's going over here to this village. Okay, we better run over there. But by the time you got there, he's heading to the next village, so we better get over here. I mean, you had to be on the right location. It was a geographical location. Some preachers still make you feel that way. They said, touch my coat, touch my coat. Got to make sure you have the right coat. But see, that's not the new covenant. That's not the new covenant at all. No, no, we have something much better. Jesus said to the disciples, he said, you will see me no more. I said, well, we're going to see you no more? We're not going to see the hem of your garment anymore? You're not going to see me no more? Well, Jesus, how will we know that you're real? How will we know that you're alive if we can see you no more? They, they were so accustomed to running. Oh, he's over there. He's over there. He says, well, that's over. You're going to see me no more. Well, how will we know? And then Jesus said, you will go and you will preach my gospel and I will work with you. That's what I have done this morning. I have preached the good news of Jesus Christ and I'm not alone. You're not alone. I'm here with Jesus Christ. And then he said, I will send you the helper, the Holy Spirit. So it's not just merely me trying to say, oh, well, Jesus is here. Jesus is here. But the Holy Spirit Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Maybe your physical eyes cannot see the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit helps us to see Jesus Christ with our inward eyes. So back then it was location, location, location. Today it's everywhere. It's anyone. It's whosoever will. It's, it, 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 it is an opportunity for everybody. So tonight... Well, this morning, I keep saying tonight, this morning, the Holy Spirit is here. And he shows you who Jesus Christ is. 